0: Stop.
1: Sure, you want the rest of it? Dirty Harry <laughs> Miller. Dirty. Harry- Welcome back to Dirty Harry Minute, the only podcast in the world to analyse, scrutinise and celebrate every minute of that 1971 Warner Brothers classic starring Andy Robinson. I'm your sole host today, John, but I'm delighted to have returning guests, Ryan. Hello. And someone next to Ryan. Rachel. Rachel, Ryan, thank you for joining us. No problem. A pleasure to be here. And very exciting for all listeners, me in particular One of my favourite podcasts, my favourite Canadian podcast We have one part of the Sneaky Dragon podcast, Dave Detrick, hello
2: Hello there, good to uh, good to join you to celebrate this fabulous film
1: Great, thanks for joining us Dave,
2: um, today... We are reviewing
1: Minute 90. The minute begins with a side shot of the school bus and ends with Scorpio sickly singing, Row, row, row your boat.
2: <laughs> what did you think of this minute, David? What did I think of this minute? Well, it's it's interesting. First, I thought it was curious that they go into a rainbow tunnel. I thought that was kind of... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, like an early celebration of San Francisco's heritage or just a an attempt to li- liven up a concrete... <laughs> hole in a in the freeway and then um, and then there's nothing worse than being made to sing. I don't know how those kids could stand, have stood it that long. It seems like they were singing for half an hour. I would have been crying five minutes into that bus ride. So
1: <laughs> we were talking last minute. We, we were grateful they didn't do the screenwriters the obvious trick of getting the kids to sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. Thank God.
2: <laughs> Did that song exist then? Though that's the question. I'd hope so. That song, feels, that song feels newer than, than Row, Row, Row Your Boat and stuff, you know. Perhaps it was an alternative to rowing a boat.
1: Do you have yellow buses in Canada, David, for school kids?
2: Yes, we do. Yeah, they're all yellow. Well, most of them are yellow. I think there were some that were blue, that, but uh, most of them are yellow. So.
0: In Australia, we do not.
3: No, there's no unified bus colour.
0: Yeah, they're all different colours in Australia.
3: Oh, really? And the ones down here, yeah. Like- uh, in Victoria, they're public transport buses, okay. so there, like, there is nothing, nothing that goes. Yep, that's a school bus. Unless it's private schools. Yeah, yeah. No, but th- even then, they just have their own buses.
2: It, do they have the name of the school? How do you recognize that it's uh, a school? It bus? It just says school bus okay. on like
0: the on the lights on the top of the bus. I see. I see.
2: Yeah, and that's your that's your clue. Wow. No ours are yeah. ours are um, well, basically they're just giant disasters waiting to happen. They're, they're these big metal buses with vinyl seats, with very little padding, full of st- like stainless steel rails all over the place, and absolutely no seatbelts. So why the, why they still are on the road today? I have no idea, but uh, that's how school buses are. They're, just- they're there so
0: Scorpio can get one <laughs> and drive to the airport. Yes. Or the Joker can use them in a bank heist. Like, mm. that's what they're there for.
1: Yeah. North America makes it very, very easy for uh, people like Scorpio.
2: Here are the kids, come get them. <laughs> well, th- yep. there, w- there was a case and when my wife and I were watching this last night on uh, TV, we, I, I downloaded and rent- I rented this film. And I'll talk about that in a second because there's a disappointing element to it, but we were wondering when we were watching it, if this film inspired this case in 1976 where these kidnappers kidnapped a school bus and buried it in the desert. Yes, Chowchilla. The Chowchilla
1: kidnapping we've mentioned before. Um, okay. Allegedly, they sourced a novelization of this movie in their local library, uh, together with some episode of an Alfred Hitchcock Presents um, uh, episode, as ba- apparently, basis okay. inspiration
2: for this. Yeah. Oh wow, interesting! So, uh, art life life imitates art. That's interesting, because yep. well, it
0: shows you the detriment of movies and TV.
2: Are we to assume that was the Scorpio's plan? Was to bury this bus in, in a gravel pit? Was that is that the kind of assumption? <laughs> that the, 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 like I don't really know where the movie. Like what was his plan? Like where was he going with the bus? Well, he's heading to the Santa Rosa Airport.
3: Yeah, and the kids were going to come on the, the plane with oh, him.
2: Oh, I see. Oh boy. Okay. What? What? What an interesting. What an interesting character the the Scorpio guy is. Because, is there is there like no nothing he won't do. You know, he's a sniper. He's a kidnapper. He's a rapist. Whatever. A rapist. Mm. He doesn't care what, what what whatever act I guess he's required to do. He'll do it. It's a. He's a real convenient plot device. I mean character in the movie wonderfully played by andy robinson though i love his uh i love his performance this part of the film especially the idea that he wouldn't be terrifying the moment he stepped on the bus covered with, his face covered with bandages like yeah i don't know why the kids aren't like running out the back of the bus as soon as he steps on it but i guess at uh, parents, you know at, at that time i i was a a kid in those days so we were much more naive i guess we would have trusted someone like that i suppose
0: yeah and if you did run he would smack you hmm And then you start crying and want your mum.
2: Yeah, that's right. And then I like that his his promise to them is to go to the ice cream factory. Like a place where they manufacture ice cream. it just brought to my my mind like this idea of this big giant like kind of factory, you know, with big machinery working away creating ice cream from metal or something, you know, with that familiar. The common like all assembly lines have that music playing kind of thing and just ice cream being constructed. So, we're going to go to a factory to see it being made. (laughs) See if the kids weren't smarter. Isn't it made at a creamery? I don't know. It's kids.
1: When I was a teenager and I first saw this movie, it was around the time that the uh, presidents of the United States of America were big, talking about the peaches come from a can in a factory downtown. Okay. That's what the factory
2: I'd like to see. Yes. I I only know... I only know them because of a lump, but yes, that's uh... well,
1: Rachel, have you? Have your parents or your teachers ever lied to you like, yeah, get in the car, we're going to go to... Uh, the ice know, cream factory. The ice cream factory. Have you or ever, the airport. You ever been given a ruse like this?
3: No. Well, that's No, nice. I can't think... Yes. I cannot think of an example from my life where somebody has done this.
0: I'll do it. I think... Rachel, we're going to the ice cream factory, now row, row, row your boat. <laughs> what about you, David? Have you ever... Did your parents ever connive to
1: get you somewhere to the hospital or somewhere undesirable by some ruse like
2: Scorpio? Well, you know, I, I grew up in the 70s, so parents just made you do things. <laughs> you didn't uh, have any, yeah. There was no coaxing in those days, you just did what your parents told you. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was a different time. We, you know, the promise of an ice cream factory, though... I would have definitely jumped into the car to go to that place. Oh, I can only dream of it. I can only dream of ice cream factories. <laughs> so good.
0: Can we get Freudian about this movie? Let's get <laughs> Freudian, yes. Now, okay. I was on the show a while back, and in my minutes, we had a tunnel as well. Mm. Yes, and there's a tunnel in this, and it has rainbows on it. And Paul McCartney. And Paul McCartney was in that previous tunnel. In Harry, there's a lot of going through tunnels, a lot of going <laughs> through dark, dank places. Mm, yeah. Is there some sexual imagery going on here, maybe? Like, Harry keeps having to go through an orifice. Is this somehow related to his dead wife? Uh, John, you're the expert here. You're the Harry expert. Uh, how many tunnels have been in this movie? I think three. Three. This
1: Waldo Tunnel now known as the Robin Williams Tunnel In honour of our, this, our sorely missed comedian There's the tunnel with Paul McCartney with a beard in it <laughs> There's also when the streetcar or tram Whatever they yeah, call yeah, it in yeah. San Francisco Comes to the Mission Dolores Park Maybe just three orifices So
0: what do you think <laughs> the movie's trying to say here About showing us so many orifices of the city? Can I handball this question to David? What do you think David?
2: Well, before I answer that question, I just wanna—I just wanna. I'm hoping that the the rainbow uh, paint is still on this tunnel in honor of Robin Williams and his rainbow suspenders that he wore for so many years. <laughs> um, That's true. In terms of Freudian, ah, uh, you know, this is a very good question because it is interesting that he goes into a hole and meets those men earlier in the film, the three yep. mm-hmm. men who come out of the darkness towards him. It is It is really interesting. And then he goes into, and then kind of when he he's chasing through the the factory at the end of the film, there's a lot of, like, shafts in that movie. Yes. You know, with, yeah. and orifices that, that are kind of, <laughs> that sounds terrible, but dusty. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I have no idea what the movie's saying. It's so many, there's so many uh, different orifices in this film. They don't seem to have, like, a uni- unifying theme, though, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, what, in one case, he's going into, a, into an orifice with children, which seems terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because he's a bad guy. The name, even the name Dirty Harry is just kind of like, like, now you wouldn't name a movie that now. Like, we're used to it now. Like, we, do, we just go Dirty Harry. Yeah. But if someone decided they're going to make a movie now and said, I'm going to call it Dirty Harry, everyone in the room would say, no, you're not. <laughs> so, I just think at the time, you know, an innocent time.
0: In a time in which the main character eats hot dogs.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He's eating a hot dog. Yeah, that's right. And it's just, it's for him. It's a special hot dog that he always gets as well.
0: So we've got a lot of things going on. Hot dogs, orifices, shafts, <laughs> dead wives, you know, Andy Robinson, a lot of imagery.
2: If you think about it. Our lives are full of orifices and hot dogs. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just a reflection of our own kind of Freudian lives. Here, in, here I, live in a, I live in a city called Aldergrove, and we have a, a senior secondary that was for years called Aldergrove Senior Secondary, or ASS, which took them 30 <laughs> years to figure out, and then change it to Aldergrove <laughs> Community Secondary School, so that it's not ASS. So, I I, I think just innocent times, you know, people just didn't make these sort of connections the way that uh, our generation or our our era does, you know.
0: Except for Clint. He made these connections. (laughs) Clint's on top of
2: this. (laughs) And Hitchcock.
0: Remove the N in his name, he gets very sexual.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, I'd like to read... um... Uh, David, Rachel, we have an extract here from the novelization oh, cool. uh, Which we finally sourced a few weeks ago And this is about, um, uh, pardon my North American accent, David, but here we go <laughs> Oh boy Pigs, Scorpio muttered into the wind A bunch of goddamn pigs A young couple browsed in front of a bookstore Thumbing through a rack of paperbacks College creeps, Scorpio hissed with cold contempt An old man stood outside a liquor store, a bottle in a paper sack held close to his chest. The rifle's crosshairs pinned him. "'You wine-soaked old fart!' said Scorpio under his breath, squeezing the slack out of the trigger. "'I'd be doing you a favor, wouldn't I? And who the hell would give a damn?' Scorpio's head ached. Too many people. Too many targets. He wanted time. Time to think. To choose carefully. It was important. No one knew how important it was. It was something that had to be done right or not at all. You are characterized by a driving force that overcomes obstacles. You are capable of passionate devotion. Yes, Scorpio said. God damn it, yes. No fucking bums. No long haired creeps. He had no name. No name at all. You are the one who hits the world with dynamite. That's your personality. I don't need any goddamn fucking name. But he does have long hair
0: and is a creep. He means his targets. He shouldn't pick the obvious people. Ah, right, of course. Don't pick the ones that look like him. Of course. Makes sense. Hmm. Um, I like that he has a thing with college students. Are we assuming that he didn't go to college? I felt he was a Harvard man myself, Scorpio. I felt like he was an (laughs) up-and-coming lawyer. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I think, well, it's interesting uh, hearing that because it sounds as if the novelization tried to kind of uh, tame that kind of fascist complaint a little bit by having him hate college students as well as this regular folk, you know. So just so we know that... Everyone's a target of this of this guy. Yeah. It's also interesting listening to it because it sounds like it was the, the um, inspiration for taxi driver.
1: Well, yeah. The novelization was based on an earlier version of the script. Do you think the movie is any better or the worse, David, for removing the sort of the zodiac, the astrology links? I mean, the movie doesn't really have it at all, but the novelization fleshes it out a little bit about him consulting his horoscope.
2: I thought the Scorpio thing was just kind of a play on the Zodiac Killer who was operating at that time in California, so... Um, yes.
1: Do you think it was best to try and... Obviously, the links are inescapable. Do you think the movie was was better or the worse for not for trying to make it a bit different?
2: I Well, I think that if I was looking at it critically, I would say that it's would distract from the main idea of the film which is Dirty Harry like I don't think it's really a mystery so I, I think the only way you could introduce like having Zodiac elements would be to have it as sort of a mystery where you're you're using them as clues to sort of lead you towards who the character is but I don't really think that's like I think that would kind of work counter to who Dirty Harry is supposed to be which is a sort of like tough cop who you know solves stuff through his fists rather than through poring over zo- Zodiac manuals um, so I, I mean, unless there was like a, another character, maybe if you turn Chico into a character who could, um, you know, who is, well, obviously he's introduced as like a college guy, but if he, if his character was like the, the bookish sort, but then, but you don't want that because the idea is that no, no partner lasts, you know, even through an entire movie with, with Dirty Harry. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it just wouldn't work. I don't think.
1: Also so it's good enough Scorpio just exists as a foil for Harry just to get the plot along.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, I think the movie I mean he's you know the whole movie is basically like uh I kind of do agree with Pauline Kael's assessment of it. I remember reading it a long time ago after I'd seen the movie and being a little outraged by it because I I liked the movie, but I I think she's right in the sense that the movie is like you know, creating this sort of situation where you're enraged by everything that's stopping Dirty Harry from getting this guy. And I feel yeah. like the whole movie is designed to make it almost easy for him to catch him because the point isn't getting him. The point is that he can get away, you know? And so, when you have the, the, that great stadium sequence where he tortures uh, Scorpio with Lala Schifrin's music, you know, driving you insane, it's it's effective because you are complicit in that moment. You want him to be stomping on Scorpio and getting that information, you know? And so when, and then when the movie, like, you know, obviously it's illegal and it's, you know, and the movie's like obviously making this point, like this is all this, you know, this is police brutality, blah, blah, blah. You You are, you're not thinking, yeah, that's just police brutality. You're going like, this is outrageous. They're letting this guy go, you know? So it just seems to, it just seems to be designed for this emotional element. And I feel like, if you colored the character too much, you would r- lose that sort of black-white thing because there can be no grays in this sort of film. It's a it's a real polemic, right? So you just it just has to be this big emotional feeling that you have through the whole film. I mean, the scene right now where he's like hitting children on a bus. I mean, this is like the ultimate in you know getting your emotions racing. And and so you know, when not to spoil anything for people who haven't seen the next minute, but when the bus circles underneath uh, the train tracks, whatever those are, and Dirty Harry's standing there, uh, you know, you're celebrating. You know, you're like, yeah, you, you don't think to yourself, how did he know he'd be there? <laughs> and, yeah. and is this the best way to do it, stand on a train trestle and jump onto a school bus? Is this like, the, best, the best plan? It seems like you're really, like, going for low-percentage guesses here, Harry, but it just seems, uh, it, you know, that moment hits, you're just like, yeah! So, I don't know, it just really works as a, as a movie, I think.
1: In the original, in the first, in the first draft script, they have him hijacking just a regular bus of adults. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not emotional. No, I enough.
2: prefer him hitting kids. And too complicated too, because adults, adults add, you know, you can have people acting from their own volition, you know, like willfully trying to stop him, you know. But you want you want like completely helpless, less, a lady bus driver, an elderly lady bus driver, and little children ish. And there's no one who can protect themselves in that situation. Only Dirty Harry can come in and, and save the day. So, I think, that you know, that works really well. Plus, he's torturing them by making them sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat, the most outrageous part of the movie.
0: I love it, though. It's <laughs> wonderful. Because he's so insane. You get kids crying. You get the bus driver crying. You yeah, can get yeah. something, I don't know, as brutal as this in a mainstream uh Cop movie I guess Uh, The killer is like I'm gonna beat up Some children and I'll most likely murder Every single one of these kids Yeah yeah And be so gleeful
1: Rachel Mm -hmm. Is there any more depressing sound on earth Than that generic highway mm, Sound with wind That we see at the start of this
0: movie
1: (sighs) I find that so depressing
0: (laughs) Why? Children crying maybe (laughs) Do you think David? (laughs) No I think a more you do? You could oh, fall yeah. asleep to it?
2: Oh, God.
1: I could
0: fall asleep to the children crying.
2: <laughs> I could I fall asleep to the sound of wind? Yeah, I, I really like the sound of wind. I like the sound of storms, and I like the sound of, uh, like, rain and wind. Yeah. I'm a, real, I'm a real fall guy.
1: I love the sound of rain falling on, like, a corrugated iron shed, like, when you're yeah. in a bush or something. I love that.
2: <gasps> That's not something we have here, but, yeah.
1: When you combine the low-level sound of traffic with the wind, oh, God.
0: <laughs> I would fall asleep easily much? to the sound of Clint Eastwood. Sorry, David. I said it's too much for you, eh? Too
2: much. Oh, you used A. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> now we Did know I you a? Canadian. <laughs> and I always say that Canadians don't use the term, but what can I say? I'm a Canadian. You're either a Canadian or a Queenslander. We, use it, we use it sparingly, but we do use it. My, my grandma used it a lot more than I do.
0: Now you just have to apologize a lot. <laughs> and say A and boot, and
2: then you'll be a full Canadian. <laughs> do we say boot? I usually say about boot. I don't know. I think it I think it's just we kind of stretch the vowel out a bit, so it, we do get a lot of accusations of saying a boot. It's really strange. Strange to us, but there you go. You don't know your own accent, that's the thing.
3: <laughs> no, I often get accused of being sounding like I'm Canadian. Really? Yeah. Yeah, um, kids will like, um a high school teacher and they will often ask me, like, are you Canadian? And I'm like, no.
0: But I am a Dirty Harry
2: fan. Yes. And that's what you say them. But as soon as you say no, it should be obvious that you're not Canadian.
0: But kids don't believe you. That's why you've got to smack them and make them sing Row Row Your Boat.
2: That's <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, make them sing. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's funny. I, I did enjoy your uh, North American accent, by the way that's really it was really good oh
1: you did oh thanks man <laughs>
2: <laughs> on the recent sneaky dragon i had to sing in an irish accent for for a while and uh you realize when you're doing that that you can do some you know some of the words like how they would sound vaguely sound in an irish accent but then there's other words you don't know so you don't really know how to yeah. say like there's words like chest or something like that that like when you said chest you said it like more australian than north american for instance but, oh yeah, okay. But once you get over words like that, you'll you'll it'll you'll, you know it's just it's just one of those things where like you need to listen to it a little bit more and then you'll pick it up. Because you wanted to say you said cheest, but it's chest. Oh, cheese yeah. yeah. You you
1: made me sound very Kiwi then. They have that. They... <laughs> I was
2: exaggerating, of course, but you know, you know what I mean. So yeah, it's just it's just interesting. Well, like, John, like I say, he
0: was not exaggerating with his American accent. He was really trying.
1: <laughs> I try. It's all just about adding Rs, like you know, worker, worker. Although if, I know the Bostonites and Canadians say work R, don't they? Work R, which is similar to our us saying beer, beer, beer,
2: beer. Yeah, beer. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. It's uh, the thing. Well, Canadian accent. We kind of soften everything, so we don't say little. We say little. We, we turn it into D's. Yeah. yeah, we're a language of softeners. Like I don't live in I don't live in Vancouver. I live in Vancouver. We put a G in between the, the N and the C. Oh, uh, nice. So, that's how you know. I can tell if someone's from here, if they're not from here, how they say Vancouver. Vancouver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, where do you think Scorpio has been living since he was discharged from the hospital? You know? Uh, did, did the groundsman, oh, I was forgiven, the groundsman let him go back to the stadium? Oh, that cops, you know, there's no evidence. I'll let you stay here. Or has he just been living with relatives couch surfing? <laughs> he or? is relatives for sure.
3: I feel Gosh. like he's like in Blues Brothers, what? the play, like the the
0: weird hotel that they live weird,
3: at, the weird hotel that's yeah. only for single yeah. men. Yeah, like yeah, just like renting an apartment by the week. And, yeah. and he's constantly getting in arguments with the old men that live there on their own. That's where I think he's been.
0: This movie would have been better if Carrie Fisher blew up his house with a rocket launcher. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, got no problem with that.
1: You got any thoughts, David, where he might be? Have been since he's kicked out of the stadium?
2: Uh, well, he's. I think that he started a Kickstarter and he's living uh, in a kind of five-star <laughs> San Francisco hotel. You know, because there's a lot of sympathy for him after all that police brutality. So, you know, only we know the truth. So, all these poor suckers on his GoFundMe page, you know, they didn't know.
0: I, I think he's living with the DA because the DA does not want to molest him, and <laughs> that DA. seems like a very tight relationship they have. That,
2: that DA. I like. Yeah. I like that the DA brought in a judge to look at the the look at the. Uh, to discuss the, the the legal or illegality of the search and, and things like that. It's just uh, I guess they I guess they do that? I don't know. I don't know much about the law. And nor does this movie
0: <laughs> Nor does Harry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I doubt they'd pull in the police constable, the inspector actually responsible
2: for the report. Surely he'd just call in the chief to
0: Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's Harry.
2: Yeah, I like that he's personally personally held well, I guess I mean he guess he did do it, so I guess he should be held accountable, but it just feels weird that his nose is getting rubbed in it all the time. So, and then it's also strange. This, uh, I, you know, and I know this is a minute, but I just want to go back. Like the opening scene of the film, or not the opening scene, but the scene in the film where he, you know, causes like this incredible, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage, uh, catching bank robbers. I think is also interesting because no one says to him, "You caused hundreds of thousands of dollars." Uh, trying to catch these bank robbers, no one, no one mentions that. Like, it seems like in a more modern film, like your lethal weapons or whatever, like the, the chief would be really mad at the, the all this destruction of of uh, property. But it doesn't seem to be a problem in San Francisco of that time period. I guess it was common.
0: Nah, know. Dirty Harry just gave him a hot dog, and it was all cool.
2: <laughs> it was all cool. It's <laughs> my personal hot dog. That was that was that was a terrible Clint Eastwood.
0: David. Yes.
1: What do you think? what are the mayor and co doing right now that harry's split on them they don't yes. have a bag man yeah that's May, right. maybe bresler has gone maybe bresler has gone to harry's harry's apartment and he, he's mistaking harry's body in his bed for come on harry be the bag man or have <laughs> they given have they given the bag man responsibility to that that poor av guy how are they planning themselves accordingly
2: that's right well First thing, when Harry left, he went and put a mannequin at his desk wearing his clothes. <laughs> so they think that he's there. They don't know that he's left. Yep. And then they're going and they're talking to, what is his name, Giorgio Fatso? That's who they want to do yep. it. So he's more reliable, <laughs> they feel, than... Because than, uh, what they really want is a guy who can't climb a fence. That's what they're thinking. They're like, well, <laughs> the problem with Harry is that, you know, there's nothing to stop him from climbing a fence. So... If we give it to DiGiorgio, Giorgio, all he can do is deliver it. We'll just make sure that the plane is behind a fence with a gate, and then he has to go in. So they've got a plan, I think, pretty simple too.
0: <laughs> I, I I would love it if they gave the bagman duty was just to Scorpio himself because the DA and Scorpio are, are tight. He's just like, you know, who should be the bagman? Scorpio himself. I'll call him up. We're best friends. I love that guy. I don't want to molest him at all. He seems like uh. a
2: good guy. That is great. Well, that's kind we'll of the middleman. Like, if Dirty Harry won't do it, just, yeah, just call him exactly. Scorpio. Because he hasn't broken any laws. We've established that. He could just come into the city he's hall and he wants. He's a good guy. Wait a second. Maybe because he's kidnapped children, though, he has broken a law. Forget it. Never mind.
0: Well, they don't know that.
2: <laughs> he could be faking it.
0: It might be an impromptu school excursion where Scorpio's taking him to the ice cream factory. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> The Ice Cream Oh the Ice Cream Factory. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh well kind can, can of say one one thing I just want to say about Andy Robinson is what a fantastic job he does as Scorpio. And uh he's particularly great in this sequence this minute where you know he's just so absolutely reprehensibly evil. But he also does like the greatest like ugly faces I've ever seen. Like, every scene in this movie, he is making these great ugly faces. Like, he's always, like, making these weird grimaces, his, you know, with these big bulging eyes. He really, it's great. Like, was this his debut performance, basically?
1: In a motion picture, in a feature film, yes. Um, He was taken from an off-off Broadway play where he was doing some version of the idiot or a subject of fits. I think he was playing a manic, manic uh, a maniac on stage. And- oh,
2: you don't say. <laughs> so they saw him and they said, this maniac is perfect for our maniac. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah no, he does it great. He does a, such a fantastic job. Is this, his sniveling is fantastic. And his, his, when he's being all arrogant and cruel, he's, he's great. Oh, he just does, a, does have a wonderful job. I'm surprised he didn't do more.
0: I I think he does a great job. Mm -hmm. I think his strength as an actor is what you said, his face. Yeah. Because later on, he'll be in Star Trek Deep Space Nine in heavy prosthetics. And he can still emote through those prosthetics because he contorts his face so much. And he has these eyes. (laughs) Wow. And I think that is his strength.
2: I I never watched that show, but... but, uh... It's interesting, I didn't know he was on it. Yeah, no. he's
0: a lizard man in it. So, <laughs> It was a regular for a few years, wasn't he? Ryan? He's throughout the whole seven seasons as oh, like wow. a supporting character who's like a Cardassian, a lizard guy. Um, and that's great because you have Clint Eastwood who's very stoic. Yeah. He doesn't make many facial expressions. Yeah. And then you have uh, Andy Robinson. He makes all of the facial expressions.
2: <laughs> he, he, is, he filled their facial expression quota. That's part of exactly. what they were thinking, I guess. They were like the producers are like, listen, we've got a facial expression quota, we gotta fill it, but Clint isn't gonna do it for us. We'll need an actor who can really gurn. We need someone who can really turn his face inside out. Who can we get? You know, so yeah, it's
0: Andy Robinson. Yeah, Andy Robinson. <laughs>
1: You're going to be wearing a a piece of pepperoni on your forehead that looks like a scab gash, so don't um, don't don't. If you get hungry, please resist the urge to just eat your makeup.
2: <laughs> is that what they use? The actual pieces of meat hanging off of his face? That's great. I Looks wish. like it
1: to me. Da- David, is it a bit unusual that you're a you know a, a North American white man in his fifties and you haven't you're not familiar with Star Trek?
2: Oh, I hate that show.
1: Oh
0: well, get out of here! I love that <laughs> show. Get out! You're you're fired.
1: Oh, I get to be the neutral moderator because I've just never seen it. I don't have an opinion. Oh,
0: you like the Vulcans? Neutral. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Andy Andy Robinson plays kind of like the the evil. Well, not evil, but he's kind of like the mysterious spy. Who's like, I'm not a spy. I'm just a normal guy. I'm not <laughs> at all a spy. Scorpio's <laughs> just a normal guy in a cardigan. Yeah. Isn't yeah. he? <laughs> and a turtleneck.
2: <laughs> He's made a career of playing normal guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. Normal, nice guys, family men.
1: <laughs> Rachel, is this minute hard to watch? Would a modern audience find this
3: hard to watch? I think it, it is designed to make you uncomfortable. Because at that point, you don't know what Scorpio is really capable of.
0: You reckon? Well, I we didn't know, know he was capable of wanting to kill children.
2: Yeah.
3: They don't even
1: have this in GTA uh, video games, do they? Can you kidnap but- no. kids in video
0: games? I wish you could kill kids in video games, <laughs> but you can't. <laughs> like, it's a bummer.
3: <laughs> like, you know that he's willing to do anything that to achieve his goal, but you also, like, well... Would he really kill a bus full of children? He yeah, probably he probably would kill a bus full of only children Only
1: once they're in the air Yeah
3: <laughs> Like once once they're no longer useful to him That is when they can die But up until that point he still needs them mm. So they need to keep singing
2: Only if the ice cream factory is closed
3: so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then exactly right
2: Then they're done for
3: well according to the fat kid, they took a wrong turn, so.
0: <laughs> He knows where the factory is. Yeah. <laughs> he works there. He's the he's the owner. It's of the it. wrong way to
3: go to the ice cream factory and he knows it.
2: <laughs> I've been there. You know,
0: fat kids, they know where ice cream factories are. It's a fact. <laughs>
2: huh. I I think this f fi- I think this scene is uh it was interesting watching this film actually, because it, it is Still, I, well, it's hard for me to judge, of course, because, I, I don't know, like if I, I would want to watch it with someone who is much younger than me, because I saw this film a long time ago, obviously when I was a teenager, and it just seemed like the greatest thing ever, and, it's still is. It still feels that way now, but I mean, my, my bias is built in now, so I'd be curious to watch it with someone who is much younger to see, you know, if a movie that's. Much, you know, moves a little slower than, than modern action films do in the sense that it's coherent and has a plot and things like that. You know, like those sort of things have gone out the window for most part.
3: Yeah, it is a significant difference.
2: We don't have time for that anymore. My <laughs> no. car is hanging out of uh, airplanes and things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm the rock. I need to fight things. I'm Gerard <laughs> Butler. I need yeah. to make things not fall down.
3: CG explosions. We need more CG explosions.
2: <laughs> Black Superman. Exactly. You know, I, I had the misfortune of watching Skyscraper a little while ago and, with the rock in it. And that, that film is so incoherent, It's it's hilarious. But, you know, so this movie, like, I don't know, like, if you, you know, it seems like critics didn't like it very much at the time probably because it offended their sensibilities or whatever but but i mean if you watch it now it feels like such a well-constructed you know well-paced dramatic film that really knows how to like you know tighten the screws on you and like the choice the musical choices in it are fantastic too like there's so many times where the music is it's practically like an atonal drone that's just playing just to get under your skin you know like just like a fly is beside your ear and really, uh, it's really effective. I got, yeah, like at this, at this time in the movie, I besides the kids singing Row, Row, Your Boat, like what is the musical cue? It's basically just like walking noises, isn't it? Like it's just like like strings being drawn out or something. It's like this long kind of atonal sound mass, right? So it, that that adds yeah. that feeling of, of discomfort. And I kind of wonder like if even mo- like with the way modern films are scored, like, Would they be able to even get that effect, you know, to the same degree? Because, you know, like, I don't know, what what are you going to... They just want to, you know, they just want to play, like, uh, some modern rock song, you know. So, just kind of put that in instead of actual music, you know. I don't know what they'd choose.
1: (laughs) Previous guests have noted the similarity between... um, you know the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin and the theme here, Scorpio's theme. I ah, Don't yeah? know if they'll grasp me at straws, but yeah.
0: Well, Led Zeppelin have been known to steal songs,
2: so. <laughs> <sighs> pointing finger, yeah. and and take credit for for us uh, songs as well. Yeah, they just. I can't say I, I noticed. I didn't really actually notice that. I just uh, I thought I just thought it was what Schifrin was doing was really interesting because. What's his film? Seventy, nineteen seventy, or seventy-one? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. So yeah, in a way, he's borrowing like some of the the effects from two thousand and one, like the the like the use of some of the more like modern music that Kubrick put into that movie. He's kind of borrowing those elements uh, for this film. It feels like, but I mean, not that it wasn't already like in the musical language, but it just feels like that kind of influenced some of the choices in the film as well. This the way he has these sort of non-musical, musical parts of the, of the movie quite often. I really, really enjoyed that as well. Cause there's like the funky stuff, which you expect from Lala Schifrin, you know, the kind of mission impossible style, you know, low level funk playing in the background for a lot of the sequences. But then you just have these parts, the stadium sequence being the most no- notable when he's, when he's stepping on uh, Scorpio's leg. Where it just kind of goes into absolute noise, you know. Is a camera. I don't know. Is that a helicopter shot? Is it kind of moves way out, out of the... It must have been a helicopter shot. It must have been because it yes, starts it's close. it's a reverse it shot as moves. well. It was a helicopter shot?
1: It's a helicopter shot, but it's reversed the footage. They actually fil- They filmed the helicopter zooming, you know, flying towards them. Oh, okay. You can tell, by the way, that he- Harry's coat flaps, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Interesting. That's a smart idea. That's like uh, filming... Um, um, Martin uh, Martin Sheen rising rising out of the water in Apocalypse Now was filmed backwards as well, so he his eyes would be open when he came out of the water, which is pretty hard to do. So it was easier for him to go in straight, go into the water with his eyes open rather than come out with them open. Movies are smart. Francis
1: Ford Coppola is another San Franciscan native. Maybe that's right.
2: Yeah, that's right. He is influenced by. <laughs> I wonder if any of those guys watched that movie. It was probably like anathema to them. They couldn't even like. Go near, it was like a crucifix to a vampire, a commercial film like that in those days. Those guys were way too cool Don't get us
1: started on crucifixes, Dave. Don't get us started on crucifixes. There's enough of that that (laughs) lazy imagery in these movies, in this movie.
2: What? Oh, you think it, you think, call it lazy?
0: Yeah.
1: It was
2: beautiful. Yeah. Well, it is kind of heavy-handed, that's for sure. That sequence when Harry's staring up at the the stone cross, that's a little bit, a little heavy-handed for sure.
0: Well, yeah, he did beat him with a heavy hand.
2: <laughs> There's a, of course, you know, in movies like this, it's also hard because, you know, times have changed so much, like so our society has become so much more secular. So, things like that, that would have been less, would have felt less intrusive or less weird. Whereas to us now, they feel like so arbitrary almost, like we they don't relate to us. So, it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's an interesting it's an interesting historical artifact now, right? That's <laughs> how you look at it. Oh, people around a church? How interesting. Hmm. Curious. Uh, the past. I've got
1: another quote for you guys in my lovely accent. Let's hear it. Dirty, dirty Harry coats its dog whistles in beautiful filmmaking, but it doesn't do anything to disguise any of the whistling. Mm. Is this a right-wing conservative tome, Rachel? Does this enforce vigilantism and, um... You know, is it irresponsible in the way it portrays justice as just black, black and white issue?
3: I think that people were desiring a more simplified version of justice and history at this point. That's what Dirty Harry gives them. Yeah. We know he's it's guilty. It's just like, and doing the wrong thing for the right reasons being okay... Because Harry is justified in working outside of the law because it's the only way to get the right thing done because we see how Scorpio deserves to die and Harry is willing to make that morality sacrifice in order to achieve the just outcome.
0: And he's pretty dirty. <laughs>
3: yes. But
1: give is the movie just a commentary on that or is it an endorsement of, well, Harry probably... You should be Harry. You should be Harry as a viewer, not just here's what Harry did and maybe it is right.
0: I don't think it thought that hard. No? Yeah. I think it's just like, is, look, at, look at Clint Eastwood beat this guy up. Isn't that cool?
3: I, I think it's that Clint Eastwood needs to be Dirty Harry. I don't think it's saying that anybody else needs to be.
0: I think the Death Wish movies are requiring us to be more involved in that regard of taking justice. Than the policeman, whose job it is to take justice and deliver it even against his own force, I guess take that d a David, you said that um this movie has been
1: with you since your early early adolescence and all the biases you just you love it, but if you were to play devil's advocate and say this movie is irresponsible and it is fascist, as pauline kale said how would you how would you mount that argument? Is there any validity in that
2: well i I do think that I do think it has validity, whether it's intended or not. The film does have fascist elements to it, in the sense that it it is a argument for authoritarianism over over the collective. It's and it's the individual over the people too. So the idea that the idea that one man knows more than a democracy, you know that. So the idea yeah. of lobbying something that, as a culture, as a society, we have developed over time. It can just be overturned by one person on a whim at <laughs> in one instant. is an interesting uh, is an interesting idea, and I do like that Pauline Kael tied it into uh, Ayn Randian sort of thought as well. The idea of the, the lone man, the kind of Howard Rourke character, yeah. one man against the against the, the the collective, which you know is is a very Randian idea. The idea that, that this, the the idea that of a community being wrong versus the individual. And the individual being more important than the community itself at the same time it's playing with the idea of i mean it's playing with i mean to me it's not it's not as clear cut as that because the film is playing on this idea of of him as i mean we have the cross sequence when he's beaten up into the cross so in a way he's like this christ-like figure who's sacrificing himself yeah. for for justice you know so at the end of the film he destroys himself by throwing away his badge right so that's that's sort of him giving away his what he is you know like like you know so early in the film when when chico decides that he's not going to continue on as a policeman but maybe go back and maybe go into teaching and then you know and at, at his wife's request you feel like you as a viewer in that moment you feel like this is like He's giving up. It's an, it's sort of embarrassing. He's a he's a weakling and a coward for doing this. So at the end of the film, Harry does the same thing. He throws away his badge. Basically, he's quitting. He's giving up his, his identity as a policeman, too. And so it's, I don't know if, like, so are we supposed to think to ourselves, well, he's going to become, like, a, a vigilante and carry on. I don't think that's the idea there. I think the idea is that, you know, he feels like, you know, that, this whatever it, you know he has done all that he can to you know rid rid the the world of this of the scourge of Scorpio and now he's just going to get rid of his badge because the system this broken system won't allow him to to do what he needs to do so yeah it's just it's an interesting uh, so it's, it's kind of a but I do think that it's intended or not they do have like elements of of uh, authoritarian which is interesting because you know two years before you know the tv screens of of america were full of images of you know chicago police brutally beating up and you know bu- billy clubbing teenagers you know in chicago during the 1968 yeah. democratic convention and so the idea of police being like these sort of uh, saints is, is a, wasn't really a popular idea at the time and it's also interesting that the film opens with that with that crawl of the of the plaque of officers who've lost their lives because in the movie itself, no police officers, I don't think lose their lives. So it's really, it has nothing to do with the movie, but it's, it's just there as like the sort of like, I don't know, part of the saint, the saint, the sainthood of uh police or whatever. I feel like I'm being really incoherent to what I'm saying. It's a lot of, no, no. It's, it's a deep, it's a deep uh, dive, this uh, movie, <laughs> if you want it to be. It's
1: interesting. At the time, David, the Rolling Stone was pretty much the only publication that really gave it a good review. Oh, really? And they made a point of saying, look, we, un- we understand in the current envi- uh, environment, 1971, it's pretty much hard for the public to chew the idea of a policeman, a 1950s style policeman being valorized and being a hero. We understand yeah. that's quite difficult, yeah. but we still
2: think the movie's a, a triumph. Yeah, it's a it's a really good movie. Even if you find it politically difficult, it's still a masterpiece of filmmaking. I think.
1: Well, many thanks for joining us, David.
2: What's that, sorry? Do you say That's thank you for, cho- for joining? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sometimes the phone is uh, with me, and sometimes it's against me. So, but yes, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I was. I could join you and talk about this uh, wonderful film. And let's also give props to Don Siegel. What a what a guy. Yeah.
1: I really, I mean, I've seen all his Clint movies. The Beguiled's very good. Um, And I'm slowly working myself through his, um, you know, minor Studios 50s work, the Mm, lineup. Okay,
2: okay. Yeah. I think he did Charlie Varick. Have you seen that film with Walter Matthau?
1: No, that's next on the list. And with Andy Robinson too, yeah.
2: The Last of the Independents. Yeah, that's a good movie as well. And uh, yeah, it's interesting that he did Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is another film that kind of celebrates the individual over the collective since... The collective is real <laughs> it's a real issue in that movie <laughs> so you, you want to avoid it as much as you can so yeah it's just you know what you know what don siegel was and all those people they're americans that's what they they really admire that individual uh, I- the idea of the the individual against whatever you know that's a real yeah. uh, it's a real part of american culture not so much canadian culture so it you know it doesn't really resonate the not same so much here. australian
0: either
1: <laughs> well rachel many thanks for joining us Thank you for having me Are you going to tread carefully next time you're on a bus? Oh, no, <laughs>
3: this
1: is a salient warning Or only for kids?
3: You- only for kids
0: Yeah, Rachel could look after herself
1: Scorpio wouldn't pistol whip you You pistol whip the little bitch, I think Thank you And Ryan, many thanks for having me in your delightful home No problem Make you speak to these strange Canadians like David
0: Um. (laughs) No problem, it was a pleasure Uh, It was a pleasure to hear all the interesting thoughts about Dirty Harry Share some myself And uh, just to be able to see Andy Robinson sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat I think he needs to release an album of children's classics Songs (laughs) He needs, you know, to have this The Itsy Bitsy Spider Like, I want every one of them Humpty Dumpty No
3: wheels and the bus though
0: No no, we don't want that
1: We'll catch you next time on
0: Dirty Dirty Harry
1: Harry
3: Minute
0: Minute Dirty Dirty Dirty. Harry
1: Dirty Harry Minute Our wives will Kill us The Scorpio still survive and Mary Deacon